Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm I'm kicking, man. I'm hanging in there. That's uh, always doing good. Doing well. Doing well. Got some sunshine in the ATX finally after, uh, you know, some wintry weather the last yes, few days. Beautiful. So, yeah. Kind of reminds you why Austin's a bad city to live in if you're a fat guy like myself. <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll, it'll body shame you really quick. It would be a good one, though, because you can enjoy, yeah. enjoy it still, so there that's go. good. Well, a man who enjoys the outdoors, um, he'll even give you some Valentine's advice that involves the outdoors since this is Valentine's week. Lifetime sure. Longhorn 2002 UT All-America. 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Of the CFL, when he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring, he'll wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, a black card member of DBU, dare I say. Nice. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, you get black card status when you make All-American. Like, I that's, appreciate that. That's I like one of those card. rules, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I guess the branding of the black card yeah. isn't – I just haven't heard it be used as much. It used to be the deluxe credit card, but then now I just hear, hear it in, like, just slang terms. I mean, well, how many people do you know that could even uh, yeah. have a black card? Exactly. I would say Sims had one, actually. That makes That's sense. pretty cool. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> makes total sense, yes. I want to say he might have been on. Least shocking thing I've heard yeah, today. I saw it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, actually, a couple things I want to start us out. Did you guys watch the uh, Alliance of American Football during the opening weekend? Why, yes, sir, I did catch some of the uh, AAF. So there's the alliance a, they want to call. I, it. I looked up at the TV the for like 15 minutes, and I was like, "Is that Marvin Lewis?" And it was just like it was like if you, <laughs> you think of we were talking about names like Oil Camboyne would makes you think of 90s baseball. The AAF makes me think of Rick Neuheisel was the next one, and then Garrett Gilbert was catching it. It was just like a flashback of the lost names of football people that, that. you knew. But then you don't know what they're up to, and it's like, oh, it makes sense. There he is. The uniforms are throwing me off a little bit because it's very, uh, very any given Sunday USFL ish uniforms. Yeah, it seemed like oh, a movie. The, I don't the know who the apparel company is. I don't know. Starter. Oh, starter. Yeah, Come, getting back in. Wow. The game, yeah. Man, they Starter? blew up and fell off. And speaking them, of old school I was like, references, what, you, you couldn't couldn't get an Apex contract. You see, killed over That'd Starter awesome. jackets back in the day. His logo at, logo awesome athletic Cowboy a little bit one. busy. Yeah, doing yeah. other stuff. Nice. Uh, but you know, we That's saw good. guys with Texas ties in the league. Duke Thomas and Nick Rose play for the San Antonio team. Mm-hmm. Donald Hawkins is on the Orlando roster. Garrett Gilbert is the Orlando quarterback for the team coached by Steve Spurrier. The second best quarterback uh, performance. Got his yeah. TD. 
he was pretty good. So, Rod, this is interesting though, because I want to get your perspective. Because you're one of those, and I want to. I don't want to make a lot of your football career make it sound like I'm disrespecting your football career. But yeah, uh, you're one of those. You're one of those guys that that the the Alliance probably would have been looking for a guy that you had been an active oh, member yeah. of an NFL roster. Uh, you were probably better than most probably the top tier of guys that were like practice squad guys but not quite like yeah. what an NFL team's looking for not for a guy to make the 53 to make an NFL roster. Yeah. This yeah. is what got guys who aren't guaranteed to make a roster. I mean, I think but I believe that there are more undrafted free agents on NFL rosters than guys who are drafted in rounds 4 through 7. So, it's just, you know, there's a lot of talent that goes misevaluated, unevaluated um, and you got if you have more avenues to make it, more options, then that's a a bigger safety net to kind of catch some of this talent that goes by the wayside. And man, there are so many different positions that need a developmental ground like that. Quarterbacks, a quarterback, offensive linemen, you mm-hmm. know, coaches. We saw this in the <clears throat> NBA too in the nineties yeah. and they, the, all the big yeah. stars that fizzled out, and it's huge for. And now it with is. the superfluous amount of talent, there's more every year, so there's more of a workforce that are yeah. on that fringe to where you might have had each year a five or six percent increase. But there's a ton when you look at it. Right, right it's now. talent over. It's just not talent at you know quarterback and offensive line but it's talent at coaching too like coaching talent mm-hmm. there's the executive level of talent there's the marketing level there's so and honestly College i thought the best idea that it. i saw from the aaf was the transparent they transparent way they did their challenges or their controversial calls number one they have what they call a sky judge they have 10 officials total nine on the field including a replay official but then they have a sky judge which is basically a god judge mm-hmm. any call that is made or not made a blown call like the one in the NFC title game, they can come and say, oh, there should have been a pass interference call. We're going to rewind the clock, and we're going to make it a pass interference call. That's awesome. Like, they can do that. They can Now, they got like I think they got a certain amount of time to do it, but they also will have uh, – they, they allow them the official, the sky judge, to be hooked up to a mic, and they broadcast their, their thought process. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the play that they're breaking down. So, yeah, so they basically break it down for you. Like, oh, the reason that I'm calling this play is because I saw the elbow go down after the ball had moved, blah, 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 it's blah. It's like blah. a law case. And mm-hmm. I think it really did bring a lot of transparency. And in a league like the NFL where they're worried about their their judgment and the, the integrity of the game is being questioned because of incompetent, inept officiating, mm-hmm. man, those are things you can take today. Yeah, and and apply them to yeah. the NFL, and it would improve the game right away. And that sounds like what you always hear. Like every coaching staff has the "Hey, dumbass coach," just sort of the old head that knows and is always going to be there and be able to give the honest opinion. But it's cool to have a ref sort yep. of just be like, "Hey, wait, no, that's a bad call. We just had to check and balance ourselves right here. Let's put ego, and it's not even ego aside, but let's put aside all the legality that came out with this rule book that you have to follow now with the rule book. Let's just go and on there." Like you were saying, not only explain it, but also have a guy above it that doesn't have to deal in real time because real time on the field is so fast. To have one other guy up top yep. looking at it all Checks helps. Bring, exactly. I love the fact that it's just giving, giving guys a chance to play. You know, in baseball, there's a term for those guys. I call them 4A players. You're <laughs> better than most of the guys in AAA, but you're not quite as good as guys that are on a 25-man roster. So. And now you're 30. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of really good players that can fit for whatever reason oh, yeah. uh, that, that fall into that group. So, uh, you know, Duke Thomas is one of those. Duke Thomas has been a practice squad guy. and. There you I'm an active roster. Garrett Gilbert's hung around the league for what five, six years. I don't know how long it's been. Yeah, now. So Donald Hawkins has been an active roster guy for. And I'm with you. I think if teams. I was a guy in the NFL and, and you know that's the kind of guy that I was right now, guaranteed to make a roster. 
you have to be able to cultivate your craft. Like the thing that hurt me the Mm -hmm. most was getting hurt. And when you get hurt, you can't play. I can't practice. Like I can't get reps. I can't Mm -hmm. improve. If you can go down there and you know you need more reps to get better. If you get more reps, you'll get better. And those are limited in practice because there's a certain number of reps for a certain number of guys. And, of course, in the game, same situation. You can go to that league, and I'm sure the NFL will start looking at it like that, and that would basically make them kind of a developmental league. But college football is the right. NFL's developmental and league. Then if you're that they grinding. can kind of go there where you can just get reps, man. I just yeah. need to get reps. I need to cover wide receivers. I don't need to get rusty. When I go into camp, I need to be performing at an optimum level. And I think that league can play that role for guys uh, along those lines. I think ultimately in five years, if the XFL is really good and the AAF is really good, and that'll be the true test because they're going to be competing against one another. Right. The NFL will ultimately decide, you guys combine, Vince McMahon, you sell the damn league, uh, Bill Polian and Charlie Eversall, y'all run the league, and then we'll have all these football guys like Bob Stoops yeah. and you know, Spurrier, and Jeff Fisher and, and Spurrier and Mike Martz <laughs> and all these guys and- to actually be involved and give it legitimacy. And I think that's where you'll be in maybe five to ten years. Yeah. And what you just explained was, you know, what it can do for a career, like say you're 25 years old, almost on that verge and needing to stay in. It, it explained exactly what P.J. Tucker had to do, but for basketball you have to go overseas and you do that, that right? and you it's those type of things. And by the time he was 30, he was back over at the league with the yeah. Suns and then now he's the integral piece on a big team. But yep. most of those careers don't make it and most people don't stick with it through Israel or Greece or whatever it is. Like it's cool to have something at home where or you can do actually do it, and it isn't just top-heavy business, most elite, or we're on to the next one. It's gonna be something to watch, you know. Once you get through, you know, your train, your mini camps, and your training camps, uh, there are going to be guys from this Texas draft class who signs oh. undrafted free agents who get cut, who are going to need to be playing in one of these two leagues at this time next nope. year. Well, if you're a scout, just hang around like Bama and Georgia and Texas mm-hmm. and USC and. Whenever those guys don't go to the NFL, be like, hey, guy, you want to come play the AF? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the NFL and free agency in the offseason, I'm fascinated by the story, Rod. And this, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the structure of the league and the structure of contracts and free agency and all this stuff. Um, Alex Okafor has had the last year of his contract with the Saints voided, so he's going to hit free agency a year earlier than he otherwise would have. Oh. Uh, this is because let me. I'll, I'll read you the, the story. Stuff. This is from uh, this is from twenty four seven Sports. So this is signing reporting in the Advocate. Hmm. Uh, defensive end Alex Okafor has contract has language in his contract that allows the final year of his current deal to void at the beginning of the league year. Previously, Okafor's contract had been structured in a way that the player had an option to give the Saints a written notice to opt out of the final year of his deal, but that changed when the team paid him a four hundred thousand dollars sack bonus a move that automatically voids the final year of Okafor's agreement. Oh, gotcha. The terms of the contract had originally claimed that Okafor could earn the bonus and a right to opt out of the deal by recording five sacks, but after Okafor finished the season with four sacks, the Saints elected to pay him that bonus anyway, triggering the clause about the final year being voided. So Alex Okafor was a guy that a couple years ago signed like a one-year prove-it deal with the mm-hmm. Saints, yeah. has become a really big player for them on the defensive line, and now if they want to keep him, they got to pay him. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want mm-hmm. if you're a guy like Alex Okafor. I mean, you want to be in free agency off of coming off of good, a good quality year, and that's what he's got. 
How old is Alex Okafor now? That's what I want. Well, and on his value, just the idea that how he's valued to the team, like they knew that he was so short of the bonus, and also because they wanted to reward him, but also understanding like our we don't want you to hit a market and us not be able to afford you or get you that this way we can make you happy on the short term and prove that your value to us is better long term. But in the short term, you may get screwed on that one year. Alex Okafor just turned twenty eight. That's what I figured. He's twenty eight. Okay. You know who else is happy, Rod? We talk about this a lot, the the value of the safety market, you know, and how safety has been an un, un, has been an undervalued position. Yeah, it has been. Eric Reed just got a three-year, $22 million deal with the Panthers, which now people are saying, you know, the Titans were thinking, hey, we can bring Kenny Vaccaro back. He was another guy that was kind of on a one-year deal. He had a great deal. deal. Had a great they deal were too. looking at, okay, maybe we can bring him back on the cheap. Yeah. No. Well, Honey Bud, Honey Badger, too, for yeah. the Texans had a good year. Off now of, that Eric Reed's kind of set the safety market, yeah. no, now you have to pay those guys. Well, Trey Boston, I think, was on a one-year prove-it deal. I want to say all those safeties they signed on those one-year prove-it deals had good years. Yeah. And now, and now with Eric Reed. And Eric Reed's different because Eric Reed plays nickel. He plays dime. People don't know that he plays inside the box. at strong safety. He can play single high free safety. He plays almost every position in that secondary other than corner. Yeah. That's what gives him value. Like, I think the same thing with Kenny Vaccaro and Honey Badger. I think this is a primary example of what they're looking for now at safety. What will be interesting is um, Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas will be interesting because Earl Thomas, although Earl Thomas is the, arguably the best safety in the league, you can still make that uh, make that argument for him. He's not as versatile as some of the guys like Honey Badger and Kenny Vaccaro in the way that he has been utilized in the league. Yeah. He's just known for having an right. X-man ability, having more range than any other safety, and can play sideline to sideline. So in in a in in away from the Legion of Boom, by the way, away from that system which he was so brilliantly uh, evaluated to play in in that Legion of Boom defense to go sideline to sideline, can somebody else find that? That's why Chris Richard at the Cowboys is obviously an ideal fit, but I don't know if they're gonna pay. Earl Thomas wages. Earl Thomas like that standard because yeah, they got some safeties. contracts they've got to figure out. This they got to pay Dak. They got to pay Zeke. They got to pay Demarcus Lawrence. They got Byron uh, Jones. Yeah, I mean they got a lot of guys. Amari <laughs> Cooper's gonna come up at one point too. So yeah, I wonder who's gonna pay Earl Thomas because he's he's only as valuable as he believes he is if he's in that system. Outside that system, I don't know if he holds the value of guys like I know it sounds crazy of an Eric Reed or a Honey Badger because of all the things that they do. Kenny Vaccaro too. If Carl plays nickel, plays dime, plays strong, plays free. And they're Most all of the younger time, they than just him. Put, and I think Earl Thomas can do it. He can. Yeah. But they just put him at free safety and just let him just roam. And yeah, Earl, Earl Thomas also turns 30 in May and coming off of a yeah. pretty serious injury. Well, I mean, Another he, he's uh, gonna, season in the injury. Yeah. He'll be on that back end, and he's one of those guys that you could say easily could play probably just off of his physical strengths into his 30s. But if is he the Earl Thomas that you will be paying for? Is yeah, he? Yeah. And there's basically yeah. – He's on the negative end of almost all those returns. If you look at the evaluation on that aspect, you're either trying to get the very tail end of the elite, elite, elite post injury, maybe in a different system post 30 and those it's tough, but like he still can be a very good NFL safety for years. It just depends on how much you pay and how long you pay for it. The, uh, the, the, this, the, the numbers say the trends say that a hall of fame safety like Earl Thomas is going to age very well. That is the trend. Mm-hmm. And go look at Ed Reed, the yep. latest, but, I remember when Ed Reed was outside of that Baltimore Ravens system because I'm a Texans fan. <laughs> when they took him out of that, that system and tried to put him into it, oh, insert him into the Texans. He'll, he'll be fine. Take him out of that, that Ravens system and put him into the Texans system. He And I know it was old age, too, which Earl Thomas is also dealing with. Man, he wasn't. He did not look, he looked like a shell of himself. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. that was because of injuries and age and everything else. So I just wonder about Earl Thomas. 
who's going to have the vision to be able to use them? I mean, think about somebody, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to think of teams that could utilize them in that way. Obviously, maybe Matt Patricia with the the, the, the Lions can use figure out a way to use them. Like, I don't know. I don't know who, who plays that type of uh, defense where they play that man zone concept. At where a desirable landing spot. Yeah. like That I has just, the money. That's why the Cowboys were so ideal, but like you said, that's that's not in their it's not their priority right now. If you're no. Cowboy. All right. Well, we're talking about the alliance. We're talking about free agency. You know, last week uh, we talked about the Senior Bowl and the combine coming up. Nice. I guess uh, five guys from Texas officially headed the combine. We haven't covered that yet, Rod. That is going to be Gary Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, Devontae Davis, Chris Boyd, Charles Amenahu. Anybody that you were surprised did not get a combine invite. Uh, no, I think that's about it. Um, I mean, so Chris Nelson did not. Chris Nelson did not. Yeah, Andrew, I think Andrew he Beck may have been the only one that we thought might have had a shot, but with the D-line depth coming out this year in the NFL draft, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that shouldn't and be considered an insult. No disrespect to Chris Nelson. If Puna Ford didn't get an invite last year, Chris Nelson probably wouldn't yeah, get one. Agreed, yeah, and we thought Puna Ford definitely should have got oh, one. Oh, he should have. I think yeah. now, I mean, he was the defensive lineman yeah. of the year in the Big 12. That was way more disrespectful by the Combine. I'm sure Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are happy he didn't get a combine. Oh, yeah, they got the, one of the best <laughs> values in the uh, undrafted last year, period. Which, you know, we'll talk about the combine as we get closer to it, but rather some fascinating numbers came out um, on – this is based on Week 17 active rosters. I came across this on Twitter, and the percentage of, you know, what round you were picked and what percentage comprises um, the number of guys in the league. Yeah. And actually, the highest number of players on active rosters, and th- th- this kind of jibes with the the recruiting conversation we just had National Signing Day. Like, well, does recruiting really matter? Well, yes, it matters because go look at who's winning national championships. Oh, it, it matters. Uh, the highest number of guys occupying roster active roster spots at the end of weeks as of week seventeen were first round picks, two hundred forty two. Do you know what the next biggest category of players is who are occupying roster spots? Probably undrafted. Yep. Undrafted free agents. Yeah. There, are, there were more undrafted free agents, 550, 551 guys on active rosters as of week 17 than guys drafted in rounds four through seven combined. Yeah, more valuable pieces. That's less money you have to give them, less guaranteed. If it's a draftable asset, you may have had a little bit more demand. If you got somebody that's hungry and going to get the bare minimum and you're getting the same production, it's like the same thing when you and I were talking about baseball and the way all these stars aren't being drafted right now or being signed in free agency, right. it's like wins above replacement. If you aren't that great in that, are you hundreds of millions of dollars better? Or can we get just a guy that's going to go and give us average production and then build from the bottom up instead of from the top down? And that's what these undrafted guys, if that's a marginal decision between him or, say, a guy that was a third rounder that's going to be due maybe more money, and go with the guy that's cheaper. You you got to find value somewhere in the NF like uh, with the salary cap. It's a fixed income, so you got to yeah. find value somewhere. Diff- depending on your uh, your methodology, your blueprint to win, you'll find value in different places. Uh, uh, Bill Belichick does not believe in drafting wide receivers very high or drafting wide receivers at all. Right. It's one of the places where he finds value. Um, Shanahan claims that's where he finds value too. That he doesn't he's, he doesn't believe you have to have a, a true number one wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see because that mm-hmm. will be tested now that Antonio Brown is really cool with Jerry Rice and he wants to go to San Fran. So you well, gotta, I mean they got they got Marquise Goodwin on the cheap. 
Exactly. That's, well, that's, why, that's, that's what that's what Shanahan, Shanahan is about, yeah. right? Yeah. He's about you got to. That's and that's one of the places where drafted you're not Pettis, gonna, traded yeah. up to get Pettis because he exactly. looked so good. You're not gonna find that. Listen, you're not gonna have to find Kittle. value at quarterback. Ask the Cowboys. You're going to pay Dak. Sorry, it's got to happen. Everybody's got to end up paying that quarterback. Tom Brady may give you a hometown discount at one point, but usually you want to pay your quarterback at one point. Even the Patriots made Brady the highest paid quarterback in like I think 2010 or 12, something like that. Russell Wilson had to get paid. At some Russell Wilson got to get paid. You got to have to do that. You're going to have to pay your pass. Demarcus Lawrence will get paid. Sorry, it's going to happen. You probably should have paid him last year. You didn't know if it was a one-year thing. Now you know he's legit. You got to pay. Jadavion Clowney's going to get paid. Jadavion Clowney's going to get paid. So certain positions you cannot deny. And even, you know, sometimes like Zeke's going to end up getting paid, even though I don't like paying running backs in terms of value, but he's going to get paid. So where do you find the value? Like the Cowboys now got to find value other places. Thank God they're too uh, future all-pro linebackers are both on rookie deals, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're finding value there. They're going to find value in different places. Wide receiver, for me, is one of the places where you find a lot of value. So, you know I mean? For me, like, yeah, I think even a little Jordan Humphrey, think about it, this guy's going to get drafted probably in the third, fourth mm-hmm. round. Skill positions, the, it's three, three crazy. Three he's the best wide receiver potentially in the Big 12, and he's going to draft it in the fourth round. And three to six is where yeah, but he, skill, he All exactly. skill position you guys have been though, the value. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, that's that's one of those positions. But, you know, some guy like Charles Menu, he is going to benefit because he's at a position where there's a premium. I don't think it's going to hurt him is the depth of D-line exactly. in, the, in the draft. But in terms of his pass rushing ability mm-hmm. and his length and all those things you really can't quantify, those uh, those measurables, man, he's a pass rusher. His value is shooting through the roof because that's one of those places where I, I'm, I'll, I'll give up a lot of draft capital to get a really good pass rusher because it's worth it. You don't – that it's rare to find a really good one. Honestly, wide receiver – Hell, Antonio Brown's a sixth round pick. I mean, no, I can they, find, I'm, I'm gonna lie to you. I think I can find a really good wide receiver somewhere in the draft if I do my due diligence. 100%. Same at running back to me. It's pass rusher, not so much. Well, yeah. And that's where you've devalued skill positions, and you just talked about receivers and just go from the laundry list of Mississippi Valley states to Central Michigan's oh, to Tennessee. Chattanooga's have all the all time greats. But when you look across, it's basically supply and demand at those positions, and there's just a superfluous amount of talent that you have at the skills. Now you have schemes elevating these players. Great point. And then it's supply and demand that there are very few amount of humans that are big enough and fast enough to get around the edge, strong get enough. to a quarterback yeah. there's very few humans that can block them and there are very few humans that can throw the ball like a rocket to these other ones and the ones that are going to batter their heads against each other the entire time are their or interchangeable parts unless you get a generational talent like a julio jones or a earl thomas like when yeah. something's just so transcendent then you go it's worth going up to those skill guys but especially now when we've just seen all these systems elevate to the skill positions to where the wins above a replacement type idea where you can get by with shanahan has Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle, that's as much yards production from a trio that you can find out there. Those guys were great when they're on the field, and nobody even knows who they are. And they're the ones most inclined to be injured, so it's your asset that can also get injured. That's the main thing. You want the ones protecting it and the big arm and then the ones attacking it. Those are the game changers, and there's very few humans that do that. Rod, you should keep a copy of this draft with you because this draft I'm about to bring up speaks to everything that you talk about and you value. It's the 2017 draft. And if you just go down, uh, look at the skill positions, Juju Smith-Schuster late two, Alvin Kamara was a three, Cooper, oh, yeah. Cooper Cup was a three, uh, Deontay Foreman also won that third round. Kareem uh, Hunt? Yeah, Kareem Hunt goes in the third <laughs> round. James Conner goes in the third round. There was another receiver I just saw. No, you're right. There's another. Uh, Josh Reynolds went in the fourth round. What's in the – 
Yeah, you're right. That, I could, I'm missing somebody. There's somebody else in that draft late because we talked about this already. A couple weeks ago on the show. Yes, we did. We yeah. just brought it up, and I can't think about who it is. There's somebody else late in that draft we're missing. But There's a plenty but of them. I, Tariq Cohen went in the fourth round. There Tariq Cohen is, is another one. Yeah, yeah. George Kittle went in the fifth round. Oh, I forgot Kittle was in that draft. Yeah. So See, you talk yeah. about finding value throughout the draft. I mean, that's where you find your value is like at skill position places now. You know, yeah, I mean? they skill. replaced Jamal Charles with Kareem Hunt. They were both mid round pick running backs. And they kept it moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like so, they literally just where you go and get those type of guys. Yeah. So and I, but you know what? And it, it it's it's going to I mean that'll that'll shift and change, you know, it all it it, it well, ebbs still and your girlies. There's still your yeah. few freak talents Zeke, at the top Zeke's that you're gonna, gonna break that. But there's always yeah. gonna be those few elite ones. But other than that, then it's always good to know that that's where the superfluous amount of talent with all of these guys that they get the system that you're running now and at least it's more streamlined production than it ever had been before that then you can go and go have that win above replacement just go get a replacement guy he's probably not that much worse of this undrafted guy that we don't have to give guaranteed money and that gives us time to wait out till we get to draft that next freakish type guy to replace yeah. him. It's like, just just have those two together. Rod, we talked a lot about Lil Jordan Humphrey, where he's going to go. We've talked a lot about Charles Amenahu and Chris Boyd, because they were at the senior bowl, but I want to look at a couple of those other guys. Uh, Devontae oh. Davis is a guy that we haven't talked a lot about yeah. in terms of his draft stock, and he's, he's going to go to the combine. Um, I don't know how fast he's going to run. I, I don't imagine it's going to be a, a blazing time. You can run a 4-5. That'd be good for him. Yeah, I that's kind of what I was thinking. Right? Yeah, like Mid a low 4-5. Four four five. Five. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um is it just going to be all about scheme fit for him? Somebody that uses yeah. long corners and you no know, question. they they see how he fits with them. It's not just he's going to post these freakish numbers and it's going to blow somebody up. No, because he's not Shockey Brown. You no. know what I mean? Like Shockey was a guy we all knew, kind of like Chris Boyd. We all know he's going to test pretty well. At least we all assume he's going to test pretty well. I'm thinking Chris Boyd will test very well. Exactly. Out. So yeah. you'll see the physical freakishness and NFL scouts will go, okay, Ooh. I get it. I'll, I'll, I can. He has liabilities within his skill set. He has there is some you know uh, defective parts of his skill set, but we can fix that because he's such an athletic freak. Devontae Davis has great measurables, long arms. I mean, what is he called? Also six three, probably. That's what he's, he's like he's recruiting six two, yeah. two like for six sure. Six two plus, you know, at corner, man, it's hard to ignore that. So you know, if you can go to the right system where you know maybe they want him to get his hands on, maybe they run a lot of Tampa two, maybe they're still running some old school Tampa two, or they want him to get his hands on some of those wide receivers. You know, maybe he can be one of those guys. Uh, and maybe somebody will decide they want to play him. You know, the Chargers love big defensive backs, you know what I mean, long, rangy guys. And they're using, you know, those six, seven defensive back packages where they're playing DBs at linebacker, essentially. They just got them covering tight ends and running backs. You know, I don't know how much of that is going to catch on in the league and start to trend, but I can see Devontae Davis find a home. He's not a, he's not a great cover man, um, and he's not necessarily a great a ball hawk. He is basically a really physical corner. And I would say at the point of attack, though, when I saw him this year, when he had to, uh, you know, kind of face up a blocker, shed a blocker, and get to the ball carrier, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Like he's really good. If you're good that at it. big, that frame can translate yeah, big time. He, there are very few of those on a supply demand level. If you yeah. have a scheme that needs a physical corner, it's exactly. a tool, he, he just and, a piece. I mean, so that's, he and Holton Hill under Jason Washington and Todd Orlando became really good. Run stopping corners. No, it was amazing. So yeah, I, yeah. I actually, Compared to how they looked their first two years, yeah. yeah. So I, I think he good. There are like four or five systems. I'm sure still run a great majority of cover two or Tampa two, and I'm sure he can. He'd be a great pick, a pickup in what that kind of system. I just don't like him in man to man coverage. I think he's a liability. 
But that's just until somebody teaches him how to play real bump and run coverage and, and utilize his frame and size. And I don't know how much of that he did here at Texas or enough of it to perfect the skill, I should say. Because so, I like Jason Washington and Craig Navarro. They do a great right. job. Right. The other guy that I want to look at is Gary Johnson because that's kind of where the league is going. And it is. You know, when you start looking at linebackers, Rod, I mean, I, I've got to look up what Darius Leonard was at the combine, but I look at guys like Darius Leonard that are kind of, you know, mid-round draft picks because maybe the measurables aren't there, but they end up being really good pros. Yeah. Uh, Darius Leonard, the combine, well, uh, let me pull up his combine, 6'2", 234. So Gary Johnson, I don't six know if he's going to be 6'2", but six, he'll be 6'1", six six right six in that 230 six, range. Uh, but I, Gary Johnson's one of those guys that's probably, I mean, hell, right, he could run in the low 4.5s, high 4.4s. Four uh, he'll probably run fa- He'll run faster than Devontae Davis. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm with you. It, it depends on if he runs, man, if he runs a, a mid to a low 4.5, Dude, that he he then you're talking about somebody he's gonna make himself some money. You know, we we talk about like when uh we talk about when we, like when we talked to Casey Stuttered and we we did a show with Casey and Casey was telling us about Deontay Foreman. He's like, hey, yeah, you know, Foreman guy, he's pretty good. I went to practice and saw him and I think he needs a ball more. Didn't take long. You know, guys long. can just see, right? No, yeah, I remember a form, I remember a former player who went to a summer workout, Gary Johnson's first summer, and it calls me and says, Hey, what you know about that new JUCO linebacker? I'm like, well, Gary Johnson's like, yeah, he's the fastest guy on the team. Like, he's the fastest linebacker. He's, like, he's a high school like, track no, star. No, he's the fastest guy on the team. Like, they're doing sprints, and he's beating everybody. You could see Man, that this crazy. past year. He was as fast yeah. as the DBs, and he beat them all to force yeah, that fumble crazy, against actually. Oklahoma. But, so, like, I mean, watch the replay, yeah. that fumble against he, Oklahoma. He could be one of those guys, Rod, that runs a high 4-4. When he runs from behind, that, that piece of tape, Tim, is insane. If he did that, then he, he would he would. I mean, we're talking about Malik maybe being a guy that could have him in the fourth round now? Uh, I've seen I've seen him round. kind of fourth, like mid four, yeah. I I I, he, I think he's mid to late four. I think he he can shoot up to the high fours, like the top of the four. If he runs him. a four four, maybe in that, maybe in third, if he because he didn't make him a freak. Then he's a freak. Yeah. If he runs a four four at linebacker, somebody will take him just because of the time. Oh, like, it's the complete yeah. opposite of what we're talking about with Devontae Davis. I mean, somebody say, "Damn, how he fits in the defense." I just want that speed on the well, field. Well, if Gary Johnson's that and he can thump at linebacker, somebody and hell, I would if I was a defensive coordinator. If I'm if I'm looking at the draft board, I'm going. Well, he's never got to leave the field in today's NFL. Right. No. And he spread era of football. I mean, if I if I if I can train him up the right way, that he can thump his way through first and second down. He never has to leave the field. And most of the time now, hell, teams are throwing the ball 40% of the time on first down mm-hmm. in this in the modern-day NFL because you make more yards passing on first down than you do on any other down when you pass the ball. And teams are going, well, I'm throwing it on first down. In that kind of world, the Big 12 world essentially, Gary Johnson is, man, he's he's king. You know unless, what I mean? Like he is that that's ideal to his skill set. Unless you're John Gruden and you're still stuck in the late nineties. John Gruden is not. He's John adapting. Gruden, John he's Gruden adapting. has said on several occasions, I have thrown all of my old stereotypes about quarterbacks specifically out the window. Mm-hmm. He said, I've seen it now and I believe Colin Murray can can be a great quarterback in the NFL. Yep. I've seen had Baker seen Mayfield. Baker he said I'm, he said I used to believe in those 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 old dogmas about quarterbacks. I don't believe in that anymore. Only took one season back in the league of getting his head kicked in to get him to so come. It was <laughs> pretty much yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rod, I talked about it on, on, when I was with you on the Rodcast. I mean, and, and this is going to help. I think guys coming from the Big Twelve getting drafted It's going to take guys looking at where the NFL is going. I say, look, there's two kinds of head coaches. Got Andy Reid, and I'm not talking about like Sean McVay, the innovative guy, yeah. or Kyle Shanahan, guys mm-hmm. that are on the what cutting make- edge. 
you've got really in, in the NFL kind of hierarchy, you've got John Gruden and you've got Andy Reid. You've yeah. got guys that are just kind of sitting their ways, and this is how we do it. And we got prototypes for this, and this is the way it's always well, Andy Reid, he's one And you've got Andy Reid, who's from that Bill Walsh, Mike Holmgren yeah. tree, that old school way of thinking. Yep. But he's a guy that's evolved and said, you know what, man, I really like that Mahomes kid. And, yep. you know, I'm looking at what he did at Texas Tech, and hell, why not just kind of give him mm-hmm. kind of an NFL version of that? And now exactly we see what right. the Chiefs are doing, he's and boom, you're off and running. So Andy Reid is adapted extremely well. John Gruden, according to what you said, says he is, but yeah. until yeah. I see I believe it yet. when I see it. I yes, finally. That. Yeah, this is a guy getting rid of guys like Khalil Mack. He so. just branded <laughs> himself for a decade being the anti that. But they, he, at least when one year into the year, I saw the same press conference when he said it all. It'll just be entertaining to see this draft. I mean, like Jason yeah. Garrett's a guy that's stuck in the 90s. Jason oh, we need a big Garrett offensive line. We need a run game. Jason Garrett is probably the prime example. We need to do the North Turner Gruden. offense. He oh, is. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that he is now the epitome of being stuck and being antiquated and archaic in your offensive beliefs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I made you sad there. Yeah. I just looked at Jeff. I looked at Jeff. Really I was like, uplifted yeah. today. Jeff's got literally Talking guy about sad. guys getting drafted yeah, like, and these Texas guys. I'm not well, here. Bruno, let's, stay on, let's stay on that, though, then, because Gary Johnson does kind of fit there because Gary Johnson is an undersized linebacker. Like, right. He is. He, there, there, no doubt what the easiest criticism of Gary Johnson is coming out is, oh, he's undersized. Like, how's that guy going to be able to thump and be able to uh, shed offensive linemen who are coming after him getting to the second level? Well, the truth is he's so fast and agile, he may not have to worry about that. Well, like, he actually can overrun a play, and he has the speed to recover or, or, or take the wrong angle and have the speed to recover. That was the amazing – I, I don't want to disrupt your point, right? That no, was the amazing thing about him when you watch his two years at Texas – I got to go back and watch. I don't remember him like grossly. It wasn't like Derek Johnson as a freshman. I'm sure when you guys went and watched film with Bull Reese, like that orange blur that just flew across the screen. Oh, it was Derek Johnson overrunning yeah. a play? Like I didn't see Gary Johnson overrun very many plays. No, 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 he doesn't. I, I, I wasn't saying that as a criticism. No, no, no. But I'm just like, saying, yeah, like, yeah. like that's you're like, right. But you're right. No, he, no, that's good. He film. really, he, he was a guy that understood how to harness that speed. No and doubt. do things like be able to come to balance in space and, and make tackles. Yeah. When, when you talk about his speed, if you look at it, because, you know, if you look at old, like, Juco times and they talk about him running four threes, you don't know what is actually, you know, electronically timed. But in his 5A state championship, when he was a senior in high school, he ran a 10 7 which is – Kind of yeah, crazy. that's I Gary think, Johnson. I, I ran like a 10-6. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's saying. Like, <laughs> it when you DB, watch that crazy. OU, when he forces that fumble from behind in the Oklahoma game in the Big 12 championship from the four, look, he outruns the entire secondary to be the first one there to get him without, like, letting him get inside the five-yard line. Right. Yeah. I, I, brought up, I brought up the not overrunning plays to say, back to your point about him being undersized, there are going to be teams that don't even go watch the film. They're just going to see that he's six foot and a quarter and be yeah, like, ah, he can't, he can't play here. Yes, you're right, and I and, and you Belichick know what the NFL is starting to get away from, and this is why little guys now more and more smaller players are playing in today's NFL, and this is why Kyler Murray can play in today's NFL, mm-hmm. and back in the day he couldn't. Because the NFL used to be played in a phone booth. It was played in a scrum. And when you're if you're playing in a phone booth and everything is really congested, then yes, I need mm-hmm. a quarterback who's six freaking four or five mm-hmm. to be able to see over all of this trash. And need a huge guy to take the beating. Mucked up. So what happens is the spread offense comes and revolutionizes everything, including Bill Walsh. And it, and the more and more things are spread out, the more and more that now tight ends are detached. And mm-hmm. more that uh, running backs become receiving threats. And now they have more empty formations. And now their wide receivers have wider splits. And look at the air raid. Hell, Mike Leach had his uh, even offensive lineman with larger splits. Even that, rule opens changes. Up, that opens up holes and spaces. 
within the offense, right? And if you move your quarterback around and you can move the pocket and the quarterback can run, all of that creates lanes for quarterbacks to throw in. So back in the day, you're right. The, the, it did hurt a quarterback to be 5'10 or 5'11 because, yeah, football was congested. But as they spread the game out, if they stretched it out, now there are plenty of lanes. And a guy like Gary Johnson back in the day, no, nope. he couldn't play in that old NFL. He couldn't. No, nope. It was just too much muck. It was too much trash. He'd get bounced around. He'd get bounced out. But in a, in a stretched out, spread out NFL, there are lanes for him to be able to shoot through. And then right? now in these and worlds. And the same thing with Puna Ford. Now these lanes open up because you're spreading the ball out. So now guys who are undersized, and I agree, they, 25 years ago, they couldn't play in the NFL. Today they can. And that's the main thing while the worlds the are games, colliding. Yeah. And right it's now. It's horizontal now and, and, and vertical and not just crunched, crunched up. And yeah. then now when you're opening up your the minds to having a quarterback mm-hmm. of that size to do that, that also can get to the edge. Now that linebacker that Creates used to space. be an all-pro yeah. isn't an all-pro linebacker because he can't get to that quarterback on the exactly edge. Right. And you need a guy like Gary Johnson to be able to get to the edge because he has to counter what he's facing. And if you're going to have this happen yeah, more yeah. often, it's going to be – and you see the same thing. When it's like been the way that you've seen just overall analytics infiltrate in different sports first with little finds areas of value, but also then when it gets to the area that, okay, it's changing the way we think about it. Well, if it's changing the way that we approach the game, then why are we using the old, exactly. you know, old co- cookie cutter way? And it's like, okay, so now you're saying Murray's going to be back there. Well, we're going to have to have all of our linebackers have a requisite speed as a baseline, exactly right. or yeah. you're going to be taking advantage of the same way the three-point shot took advantage of all the defenses that were going on under on screens and you can go and hit a wide exactly open three right. and beat you they're going to do the same thing you're seeing the top end coaches in all these sports separate from the rest of the field and it's why you have this great awesome fun watching the teams like the chiefs and watch the rams, rams try to take yeah. on the all-time greats of brady and the all-time greats of breeze and stuff but in that meantime like we're watching that evolution in real time and some adapt and some aren't and that's the difference i just loathe this discussion when you talk about the nfl and like the big 12 gets stereotyped oh they don't play defense or they're this or that (laughs) that that it's to me right it's people that don't watch big 12 games because the big 12 is kind of a version of what the they talk about every week in the nfl you're talking about matchups like how many times do we preview a texas game and that's 90% of what our show is. How how does this team match up? It's not just conventional football. Well, how does this 4-3 defense compare to this pro-style offense? Mm-hmm. No, it's what player can Texas use to exploit the matchup based on what that defense brings yeah. to the table and vice versa. That's why yeah. Belichick dominates yes. the NFL because every well, week he has something new. It isn't that exactly. he's doing it. Yeah. And that's, why, that's why Tom Herman, that's why we love this recruiting yes. class, right? Todd Orlando. All, this, this, this recruiting class is based on matchup nightmares. It's all, you know, whether it be if you're going to cover Brew McCoy one-on-one or Jake Smith one-on-one or even Jordan Whittington one-on-one, it's like, Good okay. luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Because, oh, b- by the way, we got 6'3", Marcus Washington on yeah, the other and side. and we got Colin Johnson who's 6'6", six, six yeah. over here, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about matchups. And I think he's just trying to get to the point where some team will be bold enough to defend Texas one-on-one on the outside because you also, by the way, got to stop the – uh, the power, the the power quarterback running game, which even sounds weird to say that these days, uh-huh. but that's what Texas has. Yeah. So keep them out of third and three, by the way, or third and two less, because you know what's coming, because nobody can stop it. You use a great word to describe this Texas offense, and, and as we look at the Big Twelve, 
it's almost like the perfect offense for the Big 12. It is. It was malleable. Like, yep. whatever the offense needed to be that week. And let's face it, guys, this was an offense in 2018 that didn't have all the requisite parts that Tom Herman wants in a pro spread. Yep. But it seemed like every week, no matter what you needed the offense to be, all right, you need us to go be wide open and go score 45 points to hang with West Virginia. Got shoot out with Tech? All uh, right. You need us to control the clock and, and hit Iowa State in the mouth and, and yeah. do it between the tackles. Okay, great. We can go do that. Like every week, whatever the offense needed to be, they were able to do it. I agree with you on, and that's and that you know, and Matt brought it up with the Patriots, but we saw the the, the perfect example of it in the Super Bowl, right? The Patriots, uh, they they ran, and I'll be real quick about this. They they ran no, twenty, the they ran twenty two mm-hmm. personnel. That they, they only touchdown drive in the Super Bowl. They ran twenty two personnel, but they ran it out of empty formation. All right, so that's two backs, two tight ends out of empty formation. Who does and it was, that? Mm. Exactly. Matter of fact, they had not done it. Actually, only eleven pro football focus said only eleven times. All right, the entire season had a team in the NFL all plays all teams. Eleven times had they run twenty-two personnel, two backs, two tight ends, out of spread, out of empty formation. That's only a, happened eleven times the entire 11, year. Eleven and none snaps the out of the whole season. And the Patriots did it three okay, times three in a row. Them, Wait, no, 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 no. Okay. Before that, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, none yeah, of those yeah. eleven during the season were the Patriots. The Patriots mm-hmm. brought it out of nowhere. <laughs> so you can't if you're way through. Like, what do you want me to do? How can I prepare for that? They hadn't shown that the entire Football year. IQ. And the reason they did is because you talk about matchups. Bring it back to your point. Because the Rams were going 40 personnel, which is their th- four linebackers, essentially, to match up with two, two tight ends, two running backs. And why wouldn't you, right? If you got two tight ends, two running backs, you're probably going to run the ball, mm-hmm. not the Patriots. <laughs> so as soon as the Rams matched up and they knew the Rams were not going to substitute, they like, you know what, let's just run empty formation. And they got a linebacker matched up on Edelman a couple of times. I want to say they got a safety matched up on Gronk one of those and then, times. And that, that was all you needed to do. And that's when Gronk got the big reception that gets them down to the goal line. And I think Julian Edelman has another big reception on that down. But that was the only touchdown drive. And it was all because the Patriots did something they hadn't done the entire year long. They broke tendency. But more importantly, they found the matchup advantage. And that's the main the, thing. That was the key. That's the only reason they beat the, the Rams. Other than that, that game probably goes to overtime and it's tied up. But they were able to do that because they found the matchup advantage. That reminds me of Tom Herman's offense a little bit. Yeah. And I think with the new tight ends with Reese Latow and Cade Brewer, you'll be able to Bradley do funky Brock. stuff like that. Oh, man. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jared Wiley, whatever you're going to do with Malcolm Epps. Jordan Winnington and Brew <laughs> McCoy. Like, you've got options. You've got options to Jake Smith to do some funky stuff like that. Come out in, you know, with, with two running backs and two tight ends. But hey, we got Reese Latow and Cade Brewer as our tight ends. And we got Jake Smith as one of our and you know, as our, one of our running backs. And are we going to split those guys out? It's like, damn, well, who's going to match up with that? We know that you can throw it's, the ball to a Keontae Ingram or those guys. It's a it's a great – I love the potential of this offense. It's interesting, though. You think back to Herman's first year, and, and I think this speaks to the personnel differences. Like, you would see them at times – they would base, essentially be in 11 personnel, but they would go empty. And yes. you're like, okay, yes. if you're going to go empty, that's fine. But having Kyle Porter and Kendall Moore as part of your empty formation – not you're, ideal. You're essentially negating. That's two options the defense doesn't have to worry about. Good point. But now, if you're an 11 personnel and you go empty, and two of those options are Keontae Ingram and Cade Brewer, now, okay, we got to count for all five guys. Come yes. on now. Yeah. 
And imagine how funky that's going to get with you can get Jordan Whittington late in the season involved at running backs and Jake Smith. Be, and that's it, why I always say yeah. that you're only, your defense is only as good as your worst matchup because if the right coach and right system and the right players on the field I get it, you're, you can get a great defense deduced to crap if there's one bad matchup and it gets exploited. But very rarely can you find that that consistently or be that good to be able to set that up. No, and versus that's, Georgia. That's the chess battle. Versus well, there Georgia, you go. That's I mean, a prime that's example. I mean, Georgia, that, I think Georgia sent like, what, like nine guys to the If combine you don't change. And Dude, that's, that defense was that's, stout. And I know they were missing a couple of that pieces. That reminds of course, me, that's a per- but, emblematic of old mind yeah, to new mind, what, even though you have that's great. We Kirby. remember the swing screen. We remember mm-hmm. the, the, the offensive game plan. We were like, damn, is this really going to work? And yeah, it was working because it was basically Texas using that as an extension of the running game. It's like, oh, you want to stop the running game? Okay, but what if we just add this as an element of the running game, a swing screen, and get ourselves to the edges, even though with a running game, traditional running game, it would be tougher to get to the edges? It was a brilliant game plan, man, in every way. And then they just brought it back to the power running game with Sam and Bam Bam Sam. So I, I, so I agree with you. I think you're right. That's what Texas, that's how they beat Georgia. They look for the one thing that Georgia didn't do well or wouldn't be able to defend against mm-hmm. them. And they just uh, built upon it. And that's what you and, and bringing it back. Say, that's what you want to do. Bringing it back to the Big Twelve. Go back to the Oklahoma State game, right? Like the one matchup Oklahoma State figured they could take advantage of was yeah. Mike Gundy saying, "You know what? We're going to run. We're going to have two backs in the backfield. We're going to have two tailbacks." Yep. You know. Yep. And we're going to force you to force that that uh, they, they did the cross a lot of the cross motion. Uh, then they brought in that was the best game that what was his name the uh, the quarterback Taylor, Taylor Cornelius Taylor Cornelius <laughs> forget <laughs> about corn dog he was, that was actually one of the best r- rushing games that he had had the entire season so he did they found one or two things that was a matchup advantage for them and they just they I mean they were the they were twenty one personnel most of when they made their yeah. run. They were in 21 personnel. They just said, you know, we're going to put the tight end over there. We're going to lead. We're going to take one of these tailbacks, which everyone doesn't get the ball. They're essentially going to be the fullback, and we're just going to outnumber them on the perimeter. West Virginia, honestly, I think Texas took a lot of that That West Virginia. It wasn't a, quite a swing screen where Andrew Beck would be as the lead blocker that they did in that Georgia game. But that's what West Virginia did to Texas. With Trayvon Wesco, yeah. Yeah, they just did a little, yeah. And they used that little quick little dump off swing screen where they basically used the mesh point to try to get outside to the perimeter. So, yeah, it's just little concepts. But, man, all you need is a one or two matchup advantages. And once they try to adapt to that, whatever advantage you have, then you can counter. And that's what Tom Herman does really well. Like I said, I, I just, it just aggravates the hell out of me. People are like, oh, the Big 12 doesn't play defense, and it's just people throwing the ball all over the place. Well, that it shows me what you head up your backside on Saturdays, and you're not actually watching the Big 12 football. The NFL, that's, they don't watch it either. I mean, how many players the NFL? Well, sorry, I'll tell you this though: the you mentioned invites. you mentioned Bill Belichick, you mentioned Andy Reid. I can tell you the coaches that are watching it. Mm. That is true. You want to talk yep. about the defense? Though, no, that's the thing. Uh, because I want to say the Texas. Oh, sorry, Texas. The Big Twelve only had nine defensive players true. invited to the combine this year. It goes back to what you said about uh, the last time a five-star defensive lineman or offensive lineman was recruited to the Big Twelve. The the NFL doesn't believe you can find trench players like line yeah. of scrimmage players in the Big Twelve, Hence and Puna. that's ultimately exactly that's what hurts them. Because I think the skill position guys they're cool with. You look in the, you know there are more defensive players uh, playing in the NFL from the Big Twelve than offensive players. That's impressive, and that's, that's where you're going to find yeah, the value because exactly. perception is molding it that way. So now you're going to have the, some coaches find that value there. It's just going to be harder to find, and you have to be confident in what you're looking for. But fewer line, fewer line of scrimmage guys. Right, you're going to the Big Twelve to find your defensive backs, and there you go. 
I think right Ryan after Backers, that, in terms of Gary NFL Johnson. personnel, you're probably looking for edge rushers in this league because you do have guys that can get after the quarterback. Exactly. So I think what hurts them is, in terms of the NFL perception, they don't have the line of scrimmage guys you always talk about. And right. the NFL doesn't even look look at the Big 12 for that. No. Uh, we'll pick up the conversation next week. We'll talk. Uh, we'll start talking offseason. I don't know what we're going to get into, but specifically with Texas. Uh, we didn't get into the recruiting class because I think we've kind of beaten that to death. But is we'll Drew start. McCoy going to get his immediate eligibility waiver? Well, now that Justin Fields played yeah, the race card Fields, and it worked out for him, I mean, I don't. I think he's going to get I it. I felt he's. I felt he's going to get it. He's going to get it, man. I'm telling you. You know that eighty seventy nine point seven percent of all players who have applied for the immediate eligibility hardship waiver have been granted it so far? I still That's think... That's like 80%. Close to 80%, Mike. I know the Justin Fields ruling came down. When it comes to Brew McCoy, the, the ruling to watch for is the Tate Martell ruling. If Tate Martell is ruled eligible, then to me at that point, all, all bets are off, and I would be shocked at that point if Brew McCoy is not I think they all. I think all of them get it. Yeah. I think they all get it. I think at this point. Yeah. Uh, maybe next week we talk about Brew McCoy, but we'll talk uh, more Longhorns football in the offseason as we keep rolling along. Don't forget spring practice, March 11th. It'll be here. Be here before you Already? know Already? That's yeah. nice. I love it. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear this show each and every week. And thanks to Matt. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts and always get the archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. We will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.